What is the danger of using stereotypes of introverts and extroverts to drive business decisions? Let's rejoin Dr. Patrick Gallagher and Dr. Amalia Yansel for the final part of our exploration of introversion and extroversion in the workplace. When when you apply a a sort of a stereotype based on one, you know, kind of piece of information, just the way I described that right there, you can see the 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 potential uh bad outcomes of that. So Introverts are defined this way, and you happen to know that one of your direct reports, one of your employees scores low on extroversion, so they're, they're, they score as an introvert. If you apply all those kind of um, those those aspects of introverts to that person, probably a couple of those generalizations are going to be wrong about that person. So that person is going to feel like you are treating them like, uh, you know, like a like an abstract definition from a textbook or something they're they're not going to feel like you are actually asking them what they like and what they want and what their strengths are and what their challenges are you know uh, people like to be challenged challenge is a top driver of engagement um so if if you're treating somebody based on a stereotype or a a, a set definition you're probably going to end up um bothering them by not really kind of finding out or treating them like the individual that they are which is very complex like amalia said a couple times um so you know a personality a, a score on a personality trait can never be the explanation for a behavior or even a tendency or a preference people are much more complex than that uh there are situational variables personality doesn't exist without interacting with situational variables so who else is in the room? What kind of work you're doing? All the things that we've touched on already. Um, and it's something that Amalia has mentioned a couple of times already is that complexity. People are much more complex than, uh, than their score on a certain personality trait. Now, again, in general, on average, introverts are going to prefer certain things. Extroverts are going to prefer other things. But um, that that score on that personality trait is is never the the whole story of why somebody did what they did or why somebody acts the way they do. I I mean I definitely agree with this idea of um, just having awareness of um, oversimplifying, which you know that's our tendency, right? We we do live in a we are complex and we do live in a complex world, so. Um, our first uh, impulse would be uh, generally to um, simplify whatever we deal with so we make decisions um, as fast as we can. Um, so just having awareness of, of this, um, of just the complexity. Another aspect, I don't know if this would necessarily fit uh, well with, with the question, um, has to do with your own awareness of preference, you as an individual. Sometimes I think that um, the idea of understanding that, hey, you know, I do prefer a lower level of stimulation, and I do notice that when I'm by myself, I tend to focus better. Um, and I do notice that Sometimes I may not bring the best 
to the table when I'm in a group, and that's fine, right? Because that's 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 my style. Um, and the same with with an, um, somebody who's uh, taking more energy with uh, being around people when working and bouncing ideas off and understanding that, yeah, maybe I am producing better work when I'm able to talk my ideas loud and um, hear feedback from other people. And sometimes that might be possible, again, by the nature of the work or by the environment in which I am, and sometimes that might not be possible. Sometimes it is expected of me, expected of me to produce individual work and to find that um, you know the the space to reflect and to um, go deeper into working um, by my own on my on my own, um, even though that might not be my preferred style. So I think that there is a little there is something to say about you understanding your own preferences and understanding that. Um, where you get energy from, where you maybe use more energy, how is that affecting your work? And then also um, how much um, complexity can you actually tap into when it comes to trying new behaviors, right? Uh, going, um, it, it, challenging yourself, Patrick was mentioning that people like to be challenged, right? Challenging yourself to maybe try out and tap into new behaviors. Um, that's definitely, that, that can be sometimes even more rewarding than you acting in the ways that, that, that you prefer. So um, that's, that's, I think, it's important to take into account. That's a great call, Amalia. Um, the self-awareness of your your own sort of preferences and your own habits, and understanding that sometimes somebody's going to ask you to to act in a way that's not comfortable right away, or that is not your preferred style or even you know trait style, if if you will. And the understanding that okay, yes, I'm being asked to do something that's harder for me than it might be for somebody else, and you choose whether you're going to sort of take on that challenge and, and try to do what you're being asked or maybe, you know, go back and say, you know what, I don't think that's the best way to do it. I'm going to try to do it this way. Is that all right? Uh, but that awareness of, of when you're being asked to do something that might not be comfortable and being okay with be, with that challenge, you know, not everything is going to be, not everything is going to be um, just right in your in your in your sweet spot in your comfort zone uh so that the awareness of your preferences and and when you're being asked to or when you should step outside those preferences is is great to have that self-awareness and for a leader i would also encourage leaders to understand or or to uh to cultivate the self-awareness and the other awareness of when they might be imposing certain preferences certain of their own preferences on something like a, a workplace design, and understand that there are there are preferences and differences in their workers that might not line up with that. Um, so I, you know, 
I, I'm thinking of what is something really kind of useful that we can that we can share with leaders or managers who are trying to make this decision, these decisions about workplace layout, uh, office space, work from home, flexible work, and how to help workers kind of get used to things. And I think it is a complex issue. There is no easy silver bullet answer. I just saw um, uh, an email um, or, or a, a story out there online that said, hey, we've got the silver bullet for being a good manager or something like that. And unfortunately, there is no silver bullet for this this issue uh, about um, how you're going to set up your flexible work um, uh, environment and or the issue of introversion versus extroversion. It's it's a very complex thing. These are complex. Uh, these are uh, complex topics. So there there probably isn't a simple answer that we can give to everybody. But I would say there are definitely some principles you can you can kind of follow. One of them is, I would say, more useful if, if you're if you're trying to figure out whether people prefer to sort of work in an office environment or work from home or what degree of mix you want. Instead of asking people how introverted or extroverted they are, it would be far more useful to ask people their preferences about their work environment. <laughs> I mean, why why resort to the introvert extrovert thing when you can? Basically, get a get a pulse of your organization, um, ask for people's preferences, and that should be part, I think, that should be just part of the decision. The other decision has to be business-driven. What kind of business are you in? What kind of behaviors do you want to support and, and encourage and facilitate in your workplace? And then once you sort of set those things up and, and kind of set your policy about here's here's what our work from home policy is going to be and here's what our architecture looks like in our actual office then keep in mind that there are people who for whom that's going to be harder than other people and provide some kind of support make sure your culture is supportive and provide some kind of support for those those nuances and character and people's character and people's personality so that it's it's an easy, quick answer for me. It's very complicated to actually carry out. It, it's challenging, right? <laughs> let's let's throw some challenge out there. Um, so you know, one one thing that you tapped into um, is the culture, right? So um, going back to the business driven aspect of of the um, of this principle to account for. Um, also, what type of culture do you want to build, right? What, what's the culture that you are focusing on? It, it, if trust is an important aspect there, then uh, yes, then, then you do need to trust your employees as, as it relates to their preferences about the work environment, right? You, that's, that's important to take into account. If connectedness is, is important, then um, how is that being served by uh, providing um, opportunities for people to um, go back to work or being fle your flexibility? Again, your flexibility is part of your culture. How is that being reflected in the solutions that you are willing to to provide? So, um, definitely uh, looking at the culture that you are trying to promote in in combination of course with um how much um 
of that is also being influenced by the type of the industry in which you are, but the line of business in which you are um, is really be important. You know, one thing that really stuck with me from what you said, Patrick, was if you're looking for a silver bullet for how to organize your return to the office space, there is not one. Because, you know, again, looking at my social media feed, there's a whole lot of articles that are telling me there's a silver bullet. And and everybody thinks that the silver bullet is something different. But there seems to be this expectation is that you're either going to get it totally right or you're going to fail miserably. There's no in-between. And you only have one shot. And I think what I am taking from this conversation is it's going to be okay. Communicate set expectations that this is going to be a growing initiative, that this is going to take some getting used to, this is going to take some feedback. There's not a silver bullet. There's not one way to get it right. We're all in this together. It's going to be okay. Any other takeaways that you, you know, as we wrap up this series, any other takeaways that you would like to leave our audience with um, as, you know, if they hear only this, what would you like to leave them with? I would say be curious about what returning to the office means um, to individuals, to, to people. We talk about returning to the new normal. Uh, what does the new normal, what, what does this new normal mean, right? How can we redefining, how can we be redefining it together? Because again, we going back to the office, we don't go back to the idea of the office that was true for us a year and a half ago. This whole reality has changed because right now we know what it means for us to work from home. And for for some of us, either introverts or extroverts, we just found that maybe we might be more productive working on certain aspects of our our, um, work from home. And for some others, we found that maybe it's not that productive. Either we are introverts or extroverts, it's just, you know, it works better for us when we are in the space provided at the office. So simply be curious about what, um, about what, uh, what returning to the office means for, for your, uh, for your people. It, it seems to me that organizations should make their their work location policy based on their their business decisions, their their business strategy, and the nature of the business they're in, and their organizational values, how they like to treat each other, how they think it's 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 valuable and important to treat each other. So make your call based on those, and then provide employees with reasonable flexibility and support for making any adjustments that they might need to make. On our next episode, we sit down with Kelly King, Chairman and Chief Executive Officer of Truist Financial Corporation, to reflect on life and leadership. This intimate exploration of his career includes the lessons he's learned through a lifelong dedication to the study of leadership, but also those difficult personal hurdles he's faced along the way. 
Just a little bit of a trigger warning here. No topics were off limits as part of this conversation. So we do briefly touch on the topics of domestic violence, severe depression, and suicide. For show notes or for additional information, please visit us on the web at truestleadershipinstitute.com. Leadership Amplitude is a podcast production of Truest Leadership Institute. All rights reserved.